Hey there, Radiant Souls. It's your host, Gina Kunarian, bursting with excitement to welcome you back to Season 2 of the Shine Within Podcast. You've been with me through our incredible first season, and now it's time to crank up the intensity. You know me, your energetic cheerleader, a mom to three fabulous boys, an empowering certified massage therapist, and the game-changing alcohol-free sobriety coach. With my trademark enthusiasm, I'm here to uplift more motivated women to break free from the chains of alcohol dependency. And guess what? We're still defining the norms with our unique, non-traditional approach. Get ready to supercharge your transformation as I bring you an all-new lineup of awe-inspiring guests this season. They're the powerhouses in the realms of mindset, health, and spirituality. And they're all set to equip you with potent tips and tools. We're talking about crafting unyielding confidence, honing laser-focused clarity, and infusing your life with exhilarating energy. This season, our mission is to ignite your creative potential to even greater heights, helping you to manifest the life of your dreams, all while living vibrantly alcohol-free. So buckle up as we journey deeper into the realm of self-discovery, awakening the inner magnificence that's ready to burst forth. Season 2 of Shine Within is about to take you to new horizons. Get ready to experience your true power and unleash your brilliance. Hello, lovely listeners. I'm so thrilled you're tuning in today and gaining insights from our podcast. If this episode resonates with you, I invite you to delve deeper by checking out the show notes. You'll find enriching details about today's discussion and an exclusive opportunity to join our free Facebook group, Awaken Souls. Awaken Souls is a sanctuary for women on a path towards sobriety, whether you're just curious or already on this transformative journey. It's a place of solidarity and understanding where you can forge connections with women who share your commitment to an alcohol-free life. Inside, you'll find specially crafted free resources that are designed to empower and support you every step of the way. And if you are enjoying the podcast, I'd be incredibly grateful if you could leave a rating. Your feedback is invaluable, helping me to bring more of the content that touches and inspires you. Together, we're building momentum on this journey towards wellness. Remember, you are not alone. I am here with you, supporting you at every turn. Today, we're honored to have Kimra here, a remarkable woman who redefined resilience. At 60, not only is she a European champion in master's weightlifting, but she's also a warrior who turned her MS diagnosis into a journey of triumph. With a past steeped in journalism and now a health coach, Kim is an embodiment of determination and a beacon of hope for women everywhere. Join us as we explore her incredible story, from defying medical odds to empowering middle-aged women through strength and vitality. Stay tuned as Kim shares her insights and experiences on overcoming life's challenges and inspiring change at any age. Wow, Kim. (laughs) It's an honor to have you on my show today. Thank you so much. Thank you. I can't believe this is me. You were just describing. I'm, I was kept looking over my shoulder. Well, thank you so much for your kind words. That's really lovely. Um, and I, I feel no pressure at all to live up to everything you said. Oh, but you're doing amazing things. And so I just love women who help other women. <laughs> because before in, in society, and well, when I was young, it was all about competition. Who's better than so-and-so? And, you know, we never really uplifted each other. We just kind of like talk well I didn't but (laughs) I got hated on a lot you know and people like oh why is she doing this why is she doing that but now we're in a place where we're just wanting to support people and their passions and what they're really good at and just to help people and I think that's why we're here on earth is just to discover our passion and to help others who want to have uh, that type of life (laughs) that you can go ahead and help them with so thank you absolutely yeah I I so agree and this is a lot of my work is about that, taking all the judgmental sort of spirit out of everything, because women tend to be hard on themselves too, and say, oh, I'm useless. I have no this. I can't do that. Um, and once once you let go of that, everything becomes so much easier and, and healthier. That's right. And I was just sharing with you that in a period of my life, 
I remember I was like a gym rat. I was always going to the gym because one of my friends inspired me so much. Her name is Shara and she may be listening to the show today <laughs> or when it comes out. And um, she says, oh, I don't go on the the treadmill. I will only do like five minutes of a fast warm up, And then she says, I just go straight to the weights. And she just hit the weights, the weights, because she was in competition. And so she was always just hitting the weights. I'm like, wow, I wish I don't have to do cardio and just hit the weights. <laughs> and so that's what I tried to do. One of my friends uh, was weight training with me and I was learning how to use all of the machines properly in the gym. But then, you know, we'd go out and eat bad after. <laughs> You know, because we worked out late, so we would work out really hard, and then we would go to Denny's, and I ordered always like that super bird sandwich with like a milkshake. What was the point of that? I was in my wow. early twenties, but you know, it was just fun in the process. I actually enjoyed, it, and I met a lot of people in the gym, and it was just a great experience. But I would love for you to share your personal journey and what inspired you to become a women's health coach focusing on strength and muscle. Yeah, so I used to go to the gym um, even before my health uh, sort of deteriorated and started me on this journey. But I went to the gym in this spirit too of uh, looking good, sculpting the body in the way that, you know, we, it was supposed to look from a society's point of view and, and sort of stay fit, not gain weight. Um, and then I was working as a journalist. I had three kids, small kids at the time and we had just moved to another country um, and I had regained a full-time employment. I had been working freelance as a journalist, following my husband around as a journalist too, uh, looking after the kids, working from home. And then I had landed a job and I thought, wow, this is fantastic. Uh, this is the pinnacle. I am where I've always wanted to be. I have a family, I have kids and I have a great career um, and I've proven to everybody that you can have it all. You can have the family and the job. And I <clears throat> lived like this for a year. It was pretty tough physically and mentally. It was shift work because it was in a news agency uh, looking after the kids who had just arrived in a new country too and had to adapt. And um, it was about a year after we got there that I was literally struck down from one day to the next. It started with me seeing double, my eyes went across, mm. uh, which was very scary. The doctor sent me to the hospital right away. Um, and then there were like batteries and batteries of tests. And I spent six weeks in the hospital. During the first three weeks, my legs became numb and number and after three weeks I couldn't move couldn't even wiggle a toe I was like paralyzed from the hip downwards and the scary part was that um they couldn't really tell what it was they somehow knew it must be autoimmune because my body was attacking my own nerve cells but since they have like these definitions you know when it you know, when the eyes cross, then it's called this. And then when the legs go, then it's called that. And since I had both, then was like such a weird, rare case. They couldn't really make up their minds what was happening to me. I was also such a weird case that twice a week, I had like this a circle of uh, men in white coats standing around me, young, young guys, young girls who were studying medicine. And I was like a, a teaching case. I said, well, look at the, look at this woman. She has these weird things. <clears throat> and this is what one of the most painful things that happen when you are ill, because you, you lose your autonomy, you lose your self-determination. And that makes you feel also that you lost your dignity because you are not your own boss anymore you're not the captain of your ship you um you know you get uh people wake you up in the morning screaming turning on the light at 6 30 they're not you know don't even ask you whether you would like to sleep a little bit more i know that they have their schedule and that there are a lot of pressure i'm not blaming them but the system makes it that you are just an object that gets sort of pushed around and in my case literally because i couldn't walk so i was pushed around sometimes you i would find myself in the bed on a on a corridor waiting for some kind of test and like totally left alone and didn't know you know did they know I was there were they going to come get me and after a while they decided that this was a, a one-off syndrome that hits you and that then recedes I could go home one day before Christmas I had to use the wheelchair for quite some time I could walk again like normally 
like six months later. And today, I'm actually grateful for that experience, which is totally crazy, but it made me change all my all my perspectives, all my all the stuff that you get so worked up about, you know, when you've never had any bigger problem happen to you, all the stuff with kids and how they're doing their homework and am I on time for this meeting and I don't know, it's dinner ready on to all this stuff that makes you so nervous and puts so much pressure on you. And I know it still does on all, all the women I talk to, they have all these pressures. And I let go of most of it because I knew there's really much more important stuff that's going on. And I'm to this day, even though I'm like lifting weights and everything, I'm grateful for every step that I can take. And it makes life more fun, actually, when you're grateful and when you, when you do not um you know stress out because of small things that are actually all small things um, i then needed treatment for two years i got like uh, transfusions once a month and then after these two years the doc told me that's fine you don't need those anymore you can just go ahead and live your normal life and i thought wow how great is that i cried and i thought i was given a second life and that lasted for one year. We moved countries again. And then one day I felt my left hand going numb. And it was again sort of ascending. Um, and it took some time to do all the tests. But this time it was a full-blown MS relapse. And then after a year, I had another relapse, another. It was tiny, but I could tell something was happening again. And then I was officially declared an MS patient. And it's interesting because that you, when you imagine you were you know, you're given this second chance, you feel like you're healthy again um, and it lasts for about a year and it's taken away from you again. I, you know, normally I think that could have floored me, but I had this, uh, I had this habit of just living one day at a time. And I think that saved me because MS is something you do not know where it's going to take you. You have no idea. You don't know if in the two years time, will you be able to walk or not? So I did not look further down the road. I didn't want to know. I just focused on what I could do every single day. And that was also what led me then to ask my doctor if I could exercise again, because I felt okay. I mean, my left hand is numb to this day. You know, if I, put my left hand into my handbag to find the lipstick or something. I can't really feel what's going on there. I might come up with a key, but I can live a normal life with that. That's okay. And the doctor, when I asked if I could exercise said, yeah, exercise is good, but you know, be careful. And I thought, what does that even mean? What does it mean? Be careful. It just means I'm not going to tell you no about exercise, but I don't, actually know you know what kind of exercise we're talking about and what's going to happen and I don't want to be responsible so I'm just going to tell you be careful I thought yeah okay that's not very helpful and since I could move I could walk and I was at the time still very grateful for being able to walk I just had this numb hand I have some lesions in my spine in my my brain but they do not keep me from moving normally so I thought I'm going to go back to the gym and I went back to the gym and I had a different attitude. I didn't go there with this idea of sculpting my body and looking a certain way. I just wanted to do one thing. I wanted to build myself back up. I wanted to become strong again. And that's a game changer because you train differently, you feel differently. And after two weeks, it really works as fast as that after two weeks I felt like a new person and I thought I could take on the world and I've been getting stronger ever since actually so wow. I was very very lucky to, to to be able to do that and then also to you know be supported by my family and everything to do something that the doctor had not really recommended Wow, that is an amazing story. And thank you so much for sharing that because, I mean, I've heard of um, some of my friends have had loved ones that had MS and they had struggled 
throughout the whole process where they can't even like they can't even move and it's it's very sad and but i i see what you did with your mind you know you're 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 resilient you're a resilient human being because you're you you saw it differently and you're like no i'm not going to listen to what the doctor is telling me i'm going to listen to my inner spirit because i know it's much stronger than whatever the doctors say because you know yourself best i always feel like doctors are very trained educated of course of course but you know yourself best. They don't know you because they never lived inside you, <laughs> your spirit. Yeah. And how amazing that you said, you know, I'm just going to just build my muscles and just go for it. And then and I said, after two weeks, you just feel like a brand new person. That is incredible. So it is really your mindset as well in your heart. You're a determined person. And that's so beautiful that you're able to experience all that and now help others. Now, I was mentioning to you that I, when I was working out, I was in it just, it was just for fun, you know, like, but some areas, I don't know, it's because I was working out with one of my male friends, but he was lifting weights and I kind of wanted to show off like, yeah, I can lift strong too, you know, but then I noticed I started getting like buff and I'm like, oh no, I don't want to be buff. Look at you. I, I know it's genetics. It's genetics. It's, it's so it's true because yes. not all people can do that. Like for me, it was like lucky me because I was like, oh, yeah, I was like, but that's not what I want. That's not what I'm aiming for. <laughs> and so we had to like change the workouts where I'm not like competing like, yeah, <laughs> but it was so much fun. Um, and that is one of the biggest misconceptions is that when people say, oh, when females, especially when I go and work out, I'm going to get too bulky if I lift weights. I don't believe that's the case. It is genetically based. Like for me, <laughs> that's what happened, but it's not for everybody. What are some other common misconceptions about muscle building and Tony uh, that you can go ahead and like clear the air for especially middle-aged women? Cause I'm in, I'm 40 now. <laughs> so I would, I would be considered middle age, right? Yeah. No, I'm 42. Well, <laughs> I, don't I know. can tell you, I can tell you that the master's sport that I'm practicing and it, like master's is like a very, nice word for people who are older you become a master at 35 so that doesn't mean you're middle-aged yet but you're you know definitely not in the in this younger sort of full full on full performance bracket mm -hmm. um, I think one of the biggest misconceptions we still have and um, it's really dying very hard we have these this 70s folklore these images of you know, half-naked men, Schwarzenegger and his friends in the gym pumping iron. And even though I'm an Olympic weightlifter now, people tell me sometimes, oh, great, you're bodybuilding. Said, well, not really. And what's the difference? And that's really crucial, especially for middle-aged women. Um, bodybuilders train muscles. So they will work on one tiny part of their body, the bicep. They will, you know, like 50,000 bicep curls in, in a certain amount of time just to... Um, to grow it and to, to build it up and make it bigger. Um, and what we do these days in strength training, and that's a paradigm shift that happened, I think, in the early 2000s, but maybe it was that I caught on late or something, I don't know. But I think it happens happened about 20-something years ago. We don't train muscles anymore. We train movement because we want this functional aspect to be in the foreground. We want to make sure that what we're doing in the gym actually helps us um, make our lives easier, help us perform, do activities of daily living more easily with grace and with joy and, and without huffing and puffing and without you know, twisting our back or, or hurting our knees. And, and that's, that's the biggest difference today. And this is um, where we need to get rid of those images. I mean, I, uh, I love this documentary, Pumping Iron. I could watch it many times because it's fun, but it's not what this is about anymore. And especially in middle age, this is, this is what you need. It, it will guarantee your functional independence also when you train movements and the movements are mirroring what we do in everyday life. It's pushing and pulling and carrying. And when you imagine, you know, you're in your fifties and maybe you have grandchildren, you want to roll on the floor with them. So this is the kind of things that we do these days. They make you strong, they activate and build your muscle mass, but they will not make you bulky. It's also, I, I think of the guys, and you know those guys that toiling away in the gym to build bulk, to build up muscle, and they toil and then they train and nothing is happening. They still look very, very skinny. 
And then women think if they look at a pink dumbbell from like two yards away, they're going to like blow up. Um, you know, it's hard work. If you want to build a lot of muscle, you have to work really, really hard and you have to do this repetitive stuff and you have to isolate small muscles. And I don't know of any movement in my daily activities that would resemble a bicep curl, for example. It's always much more complex. So um, I think once you understand that you're actually training for life, not training for you know a, a certain way of looking or a specific muscle group, then it, it just becomes very natural and and the thing to do. Yes, and I I was working with a trainer, and I mean we we still lift weights together, uh, but not like all like. 25 pounds unless I'm working on legs and doing like some sumo squats or something and holding in between and but I I work with a three pound and five pound weights and it's it's nice because when I'm not at home and I'm doing something else and I'm working with like I can take my phone you know with zoom you can do anything now <laughs> you can work out together you can meditate yes. together you can do whatever together on zoom and so um I was at a friend's house and I'm like Oh, what should I use for weights? You know, you can use different things. There's water jugs. I actually use some cans of food as my resistance and it was fun. So no excuses yeah. when it comes to, oh, I don't have weights. You can lift your child too, if you need to. <laughs> Absolutely. And you can also, you know, you can become so strong and become stronger for years, just using the weight of your own body. Oh, and I think this is also something that's quite intuitive because being able to sort of manage and hold and move and shift your own body weight, I think it's essential. It's essential. I don't want to talk about the zombie apocalypse, but you know, you never know. You want to be able to run and and maybe you know hang from a hang from a tree branch or something. So it's really you don't. Yes, my clients sometimes also send me pictures of them lifting cans of baked beans and stuff. Yeah. But you can also always use your, you know, your own body weight and, and that will still get you mighty strong. Yes, I remember I used cans of baked beans. There were Those were the cans <laughs> and also water jugs. <laughs> yes. water jug, that was fun. But you're right about the zombie apocalypse. Heck, you never know what is going to happen. <laughs> you never know. We've been in some crazy times lately. And so you just never know. And it's good to have some movement and some muscle mass so we can run faster or whatever. We, and you're right. We, we have our own body as uh, we can just use our own body as uh, resistance and do incredible things. Even myself, I remember I was going to uh, Lake Elizabeth, a suburb in Fremont, California, beautiful lake, beautiful lake. And I would just walk around the lake and then I would take time and there's be this nice tree. I would just hold that and then just do my leg, my leg lifts and everything. And then that was, that was pretty, I mean, I have a pretty thick leg. <laughs> it's pretty, it's pretty muscular too. And I felt all of that muscles going like, yeah, keep on going, keep going. So we can just use our body for yes. working out. And it's amazing. Now uh, you have actually a certain approach and um, with working with women and especially with like targeting belly fat. Can you explain the science behind that? Yes. The one thing that we need to know, and it's pretty painful um, is belly fat is just fat. So it's not something magical that appears when you, you know, reach 45 or something and all of a sudden your body is making fat out of hormones or fat out of nothing. It is just fat and it will only go away with the caloric deficit. However, the body stores fat in the visceral region more after your 40s, in your 40s. So the distribution of the fat changes and that's what explains what many women call the meno belly and stuff. But it is just good old fat. So if you train and have a caloric deficit to drop fat sooner or later, it will also, you know, go away. It might take a little bit longer and you, many women feel, oh my God, I lose weight. I, my arms get skinnier, my legs get skinnier, just my belly doesn't. You just have to keep going um, until uh, you have reached the point where the body will get rid of that. There's also uh, the fact of stress and cortisol that you know encourages the body to hold on to that visceral fat. Um, and you can do a lot for your quality of life and also to ease you know, getting rid of the belly fat um, 
by de-stressing learning techniques to deal with stress, to, to relax, to unwind, to be mindful. But at the end of the day, and I think this, I'm, some, some women think this is sort of harsh um, when you say it's just fat. I think it's empowering because it really means this is not a weird substance that's different than it was before when we were younger. It's not caused by hormonal imbalances in a, in a sense that hormones create that fat. They can't do that. Um, so that sort of puts the power back into our hands. One thing that I want to say is that, yes, the hormonal shenanigans that you start going through, uh, you know, some women in their 40s, some in their 50s, they change your behavior. And that's what can cause, you know, the weight gain and the belly fat to increase. It starts most of the time with lousy sleep. Mm -hmm. So you wake up in the morning, you're groggy, you're fatigued, you're in a low mood. So you're going to be prone to moving less and eating more and you might not even notice that's that's the thing because the body's very sneaky with these things if you have a bad night if i have a bad night's sleep i can tell you i want to eat sugar all day long it's just it's nearly like a switch that that was flipped it's crazy and awareness can help with that if you know oh my god yeah i'm totally fatigued and exhausted i didn't sleep properly then you can sort of you can be warned you can know that you know that your brain is going to keep nagging you and tell you eat this eat that try that this is going to give you energy this is going to sort of perk you up um, and and i think it's helpful to just know and then sort of be ready be ready and and try to not fall into that trap but that's where the hormonal changes actually do have an impact on your health and your weight and everything because um, the way you feel will affect your behaviors and um, you know the stuff that you do for your health your fitness and and your weight and if you're always very tired for example or you can't sleep and sometimes that might be because of the night sweats um, then yes you will have a harder time uh, looking after this but awareness is all and then you can try and take the reins back and and do something about it yeah awareness is key because sometimes it's hard to have good nights of rest, especially as a mom when you have little children, you know, and it's it could be challenging. I wanted to ask you, what are your top, let's say your top tips for women looking actually to build more muscle in their lives and, and to tone? What would the, be the top tips you would tell them? If they're really serious about building muscle, the first thing I would do is find out where they are at physically because you can find all sorts of fantastic workouts on YouTube, but if you haven't moved in a long time, uh, you wanna be careful and make sure that um, your muscle is actually connected to your brain. That sounds crazy, but um, the brain is very pragmatic. And when you haven't used a certain mu muscle group for a long time, um, the brain will sort of put them offline. It's the efficiency of a muscle contraction is like in great parts due to the efficiency of the brain signal traveling to that muscle. So you want to contract a muscle. And if you haven't done that in a long time, that is not a very efficient process. And the problem with that is when you see a movement and you want to imitate the movement and your muscle is actually not reacting exactly as it, as it should because your brain is not used to signaling strongly anymore then you can get hurt because you will do somehow move differently um, and not even notice that you're you're hurting yourself. You want to find out first, how are you doing? And then start very, very small. That's the biggest advice I can give. As small as possible. It must be so small that you think this is ridiculous. That's the, you know, the small that you want it to be because you must be 150% sure that you can do it if that if that's the case then you will have positive reinforcement you will be able to do it feel good about yourself and then you will keep doing it and this um it's it's called self-efficacy it just you your confidence being able to fulfill a certain task is actually paramount for you to be able 
um, to do this. So when you believe in yourself, you're going to be much more likely to to get things done. And that's why you need to start small. And I just, I can just only plead with all the women listening to us. I know January is coming up and you're gonna want to do something like really wild and crazy and powerful, the huge overhaul. And even if it's January, and even if you feel super motivated, you need to start small. Um, I'm gonna give an example. That's um, something, uh, my clients mostly work out at home for the simple reason that when you're new to training and in order to train, you will have to pack your gym bag. You will have to hop into your car, drive for no matter how long, I don't know, could be even 15 minutes or, or 30. Then you have to go into the gym. Maybe it's a place you don't really know. You don't feel comfortable. You think all these weird people are looking at me and what am I gonna do with all these machines? And then, you know, you have to get changed again, maybe shower in the gym pack your bag again, drive back home. Um, there's That's a lot of obstacles in the way, you know, a lot of things to overcome between you and the actual workout. And you want to reduce all these obstacles to an absolute minimum. So you make sure that you keep doing it and that you can keep doing it. Because if you have all these obstacles, just remember the first day in January when something goes wrong and something will always go, go wrong this is life right you know i don't know you uh have to pick up your kids from school because they're sick or your car breaks down or whatever it is you know that workout is going to go out the window first thing and what i really recommend is do something um i can start with 15 minutes at home and and the session is built in a way that you can actually do it in your pajamas because I want it to be, you know, zero resistance, or you could also say zero excuse, because there's, you know, nothing in the way, nothing keeps you from doing this. Um, and I think that's really important. And you're going to do yourself a favor with that. And it's the same for the eating, for everything. Make it really small, accumulate the small steps. They will give you confidence. They will give you positive reinforcement. And then you can, that's how you build momentum. Momentum is really important where you sort of keep getting better and better and enjoying it more and more instead of having this huge, big ass plan. And then it goes out the window, you know, the minute uh, something happens and something always happens. Yeah, I was just talking to somebody uh, recently. We we're saying like New Year's resolutions and how everyone goes to the gym and they're just like, oh, I want to lose weight. But, you know, you're so right about taking like little steps because when you get at the gym and you're like, oh, I want to go full throttle, you'll injure yourself. You'll be so sore the next day. And then that will then deter you from continuing your your plan to go to the gym. <laughs> so and baby steps. So I was very ill, not very ill, but I was sick maybe uh, three weeks ago. And I my must like my muscles were hurting. I wasn't well. And as I was starting to feel better, I'm like, I need movement. <laughs> my body was telling me you need to move. And just my husband and I we were just walking around the house, just walking <laughs> literally around the house, you know, because I wasn't well enough to go outside. But yet I wasn't um, I was well enough to move. And just going up and down the stairs, walking, 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 walking. I felt so much better, just that movement. And you can even start with something that small, just walking up down the stairs slowly. You know, that is exercise. <laughs> Heck, they even have those uh, machines at the gym where you're going up the stairs and it's like a, well, I don't forget what machine it's called. Um, I don't know, but it's just the, the one that- The Stairmaster. Yeah, there you go. The Stairmaster, that one. And you're just going- it's the same thing at home. You can just come up with so many different things you can do at home. It's it's amazing what you can find at home that you can say, oh, that could be like my little workout thing. <laughs> workout buddy. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. That's a great idea. Yes. And I felt so much better. I'm much better now, thank goodness. <laughs> now I'm like, I'm ready to work out. And um, but I'm I listen to my body now. Before I used to just be like, I have to go so hardcore. I I'm not like that anymore. Like because I said, I will injure myself. I'll do something. I'm focusing more like on the stretching and then doing some like leg lifts while I doing that, like lift, 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 because I'm trying to strengthen the muscles in the area where I've had, like, I've been in multiple car accidents. And so I have a lot of lower back pain, none my fault, by oh. the way. And so I, um, a lot of neck pain too. And plus, you know, I'm in front of a computer sometimes. And so it, I, I take, 
breaks and I'll just go ahead and stretch. You know, my husband last night and I were talking, he was using the massage cane or it was a tennis machine and I was with the foam roller on the floor. He's like, hey, we're getting old, huh? I said, because we were like, where's the massage cane? Where's the foam roller? I said, no, we're just taking care of our bodies. Our bodies are needing like extra support on, you know, getting those muscles more relaxed. And I need like more strengthening in my my legs because they're having like little Charlie horses. (laughs) And so it was just funny that he said that. Oh, anyway. Um, But can you also talk about the role of diet and muscle building? And what are some nutritional strategies you uh, recommend? Yeah. The basic advice, the most, it's also very, very simple. Simplicity is is genius in most cases, mm-hmm. in most things that we do in life. Most women will need to eat more protein. That's definitely the case. Um, because what we think is enough, and even government recommendations are just enough to survive, um, but not to thrive and especially if you want to drop some fat for example you want to eat as much protein as possible so you can hold on to your muscle mass um, and and not have the body eat into it so you want to aim for something like 1.6 grams per kilogram of body weight of protein and if you do the math you will realize that that's a whole lot of protein so you really have to be intentional now i don't want anybody to stress out because that can happen that you know women get you know they want to do it perfectly and they think oh my god i'm still lacking three grams here i have to find something um if you focus on having a source of lean protein with every meal that you eat um and just be intentional about that you're going to be fine so you don't have to go totally crazy and obsessed because that's going to be another source of stress which we don't want in our lives then you want to eat um as much you know vegetables as you as you can stomach like literally um uh, and that's it that's it if you can do that at every meal maybe you want to have a look at your calories and you feel that you could eat more than you can eat whatever you like you know, have some fun with food also and enjoy it. Um, but you want to do it in a way where you ask yourself, what does my body need? So, to, you know, sometimes clients come to me and say, so which are the foods that I should avoid? Uh, which are the forbidden foods? And I said, no forbidden foods here. We look at it the other way. Well, we want to just ask ourselves, what do I need to function properly? What do I need to perform? What do I need to jump out of bed in the morning and feel energized and happy and what do I need to feel good after my meal? And you want to do that with having protein at every meal and then as much vegetables as you can, or maybe fruit for breakfast, or if you don't want to eat, I don't know, spinach for breakfast or something like this. Um, but that's it. That's the simplicity of it. Ask yourself, what what's good for my body? And then give it that. And then for the rest, just you know, enjoy your life. Yes, I agree. I love I love vegetables and I love protein. Now, when I worked out, I used to work out at Orange Theory. That was like my workout place during my early phases of recovery from alcoholism. And I loved it. I love doing the weights. I love doing the treadmill. I love doing the rowing. I loved it all. And I would always afterward go to 7-Eleven and get myself those muscle milks. Do you, do you recommend protein powder um, before or during or after a workout or all three? So there's two aspects to this. The timing is by far not as important as we used to think. There was this idea that, you know, in 30 minutes after the workouts, you have to get your protein in because that's when muscle protein synthesis is at its highest and stuff. Um, that has been sort of uh, mitigated a little bit it's not quite as important if you in the two to three hours after your workout you have a proper meal and you eat a decent amount of protein you're fine um, I myself do use protein powders because as I said before it's not easy to get all the protein in um, and especially women many women don't want to spend their day eating meat from you know dusk to dawn um, from dawn to dusk that's the way that's when we eat, not the other way around. <laughs> um, so I think a, a protein powder, um, like it's a really good sort of supplement to help you get your numbers. Um, but it's not essential. If you can manage, if you like dairy, for example, or if you want to eat a lot of meat, um, you, you don't need it. I think it's helpful. 
and most of the women I work with also find it helpful because it's just easier to you know to hit your numbers and and not not stress out about it. And then for people who are vegetarians, for example, um, struggle a bit more in getting protein in. You know, there's some really good mixes now in the protein powders where they can also then make sure that they get enough and and don't have to worry about this too much. Yes, yes, I love protein powders. I always love my, making my smoothies in the morning time too. I was like, oh, they're so good. You get creative with them too. We just bought a juicer and then we've been putting ginger, carrots, apple, and we can, that's like our morning drink. And it's also good for our immune system. We noticed we haven't been, besides when I was sick with the food poisoning, when I had all the body aches, I haven't oh, been sick with the yeah. cold at all since we've been drinking those uh, healthy drinks. So we get creative at home. It's fun. Now we were talking about sleep earlier and how it is very important to make sure you get rest because, you know, with even with high stress, and you're not sleeping, it's not good for our bodies. Um, what are some ways that we can improve on our sleep quality? Yeah, that's, um, there are some simple ways actually, and extremely powerful, and we have discovered them quite recently. So the biggest factor when it comes to sleep rhythm and sleep quality is light. Our bodies are tuned into the natural light and if you want to set your circadian rhythm and make sure that you're awake and activated in the morning and that you're getting sleepy and a bit more tired in the evening, you want to get out first thing in the morning and get some early morning light into your eyes. Mm -hmm. um, some people like Andrew Huberman, who has a podcast on neurobiology and stuff. He's been shouting this from the rooftops for a long time now. I mean, like two or three years, I guess. Um, it's the simplest, it doesn't cost a penny, it's the simplest, easiest way, and it it really does work. I use that, I go out first thing in the morning when the sun comes up, so you want to have between five minutes and half an hour, it really depends also if it's an overcast day, you need a little bit more time, and I think, because I know that some, some people have really stressful uh, mornings, and, and can't even imagine going out, or maybe you live in a huge city and, and and don't know how to do that. You know, if push comes to shove, you can also, you know, stand five minutes at an open window, for example, just get that light into your eyes, um, have your coffee there. It does not work through the window or through the windshield of the car. It has to be the, the actual light. And I, I can nerd out about this because I find it totally fascinating that at the beginning of the 2000s, scientists discovered that there are cells in our eyes only for that, to, to sense the quality of light. To, and you know when you think about it, it means we have cells in our eyes that, that sense the quality of light, so the position of the sun. So they actually sense the position of the earth in the universe, which is absolutely amazing. And they do not work for image forming or anything these cells they're just for that and we could use that to get good sleep we must also make sure that there's no strong white light hitting our eyes in the evening because that can disrupt the whole cycle it's like food and digestion and the circadian rhythm this is I like to see this, and many people use this image, it's really like a symphony where every note has to be played at a certain point in time and, and has to be at the right pitch and everything. And you can really disrupt the system by being a very bright light in the evening. Then your brain gets confused and think, oh, what's going on? So I'm not gonna produce that melatonin. Um, and uh, you know, you're not getting tired and then your, your whole sleep quality will be impaired and with all the, you know, consequences that we mentioned before on, on your behaviors, on your habits, on, on your well-being. So light is the most, the biggest thing that you can use, the biggest lever that you can pull actually for sleep. There are other things too, like temperature and food and, and caffeine, um, but you want to have this light thing you want to have that under control and, and use it really to your advantage to be able to, to get fantastic sleep 
Yes. And, I, and I've heard about this too, about the sun going inside the eyes. Um, and here they're selling us sunglasses all the time. <laughs> we're supposed to be having the, actually that that sunshine in our eyes. Don't, don't stare at it forever, of course. <laughs> but it's very important. No, don't look directly into the sun. <laughs> yeah. Don't look directly into the sun. You're going to hurt your eyes. Yeah. But you know what? When I'm, when I'm walking in the morning, um, and I live in Spain, so it's a very sunny, bright country. Um, I've stopped wearing sunglasses in the morning when I go out because yeah. I'm going out for this to get the sun into my eyes. Yeah. And I cross so many people and they're wearing sunglasses. And then I always ask myself, should I tell them that they should take them off? And then, of course, I don't. But I'm, I'm always thinking, hmm, why are you wearing sunglasses? You're out here. You're doing the right thing, but you're sort of blocking the light from your eyes. Don't do that. But I don't, you know, I'm, I'm a bit shy. Maybe one day I will sort of walk up to them and say, hey, <laughs> you should take your sunglasses off. Yes, you should. <clears throat> you should. I, I can totally see myself doing that because, like I said, I love walking around uh, Lake Elizabeth in Fremont sometimes, and everyone has their sunglasses. Yes, I'm guilty of it sometimes too. But since I've learned about, hey, take off your sunglasses, let that let that light come come in. It's amazing. Yes, it it actually activates the um, the pineal gland too. <laughs> which is very interesting. I was like, oh, wow, I didn't know that as well. So a lot of fascinating things. And you should just next time you see a person just be like, hey, try this without sunglasses. See how you feel without them uh, with the rest of your walk versus when you have them on. <laughs> and then see what they say. Yes. They probably appreciate you next time they see you when they're walking out again. They're like, you know what? Thank you, Kim. Thank you. It's <laughs> great advice. Oh, yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah, why not? If it's going to help somebody, I mean, it's their choice. They have a free will to leave them on or take them off. It's up to them at the end, but at least you, you gave that, you planted the seeds in their head. <laughs> so I would do that. Yes, I will do that too. Next time I'm out, I'm going to take off my own glasses because <laughs> I was always about sunglasses, 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 but these are ways that we can actually heal ourselves and improve our quality of just living naturally without it costing any money and I always think like you know that's why they have us wearing shoes with rubber soles so we can't really be grounded to the earth as much <laughs> you know it's just things <laughs> like that just so they can make money and it's it's interesting but yes I'm glad that you brought that up because that is something that I just recently learned as well and that I'm starting to take action on without the sunglasses yes but um can you uh you mentioned self-control as willpower as qualities you help strengthen. Can you give examples of how you do this in your coaching? Yes. Um, the first thing that we need to learn in, in, in when we think about willpower, and I think most of us, is that it's not a um, personal virtue. It's not a character trait. We tend to, to have this impression that some people, they just have this never-ending willpower. They're so virtuous. And, you know, we keep putting our hand into the cookie jar because we don't have willpower and we don't control ourselves. And it's actually um, not the case. It's not, a, it's not something that you're born with or, uh, or that's like a, like a character trait. It's all governed by, you know, something in our brain, a little hub that we all have and that we can all activate and train. Actually, it's, it's absolutely amazing. Um, you can, for example, do small things on a regular basis that you instinctively do not want to do. Overcome resistance. You know, practice, practice resistance, overcoming, and that means sort of practicing your willpower, training your willpower muscle. And it could be anything. The thing is, you know, willpower is for two things. Actually, it's for doing things that we don't want to do and for not doing things that we really want to do. So when you have these sort of tiny things in your life where you can practice, um, you start doing that. It could be for many people that works pretty well for a while, a cold shower, an ice cold shower, something that you really don't want to do. You know, looking forward to your hot shower, spending 10 minutes there, and then have a cold shower, overcome that resistance. And you're actually practicing your, your willpower muscle. You don't want to hurt yourself. You don't want to do anything crazy, of course. But that's something that you can really do. And now here comes the kicker. And I think that's, that's I mean, that's the most mind-blowing thing of all. When you talk to people who we think have a lot of willpower, they will tell you that in their everyday life, they don't use willpower. They don't need willpower. What seems to us like a, an amazing feat, like they're always doing the right thing and stuff. 
they they say no um actually um there's hardly ever a situation where i feel that i need to use willpower why is that because they control their environment uh, they set their environment up in a way it's just you know it comes down to the simple thing just don't buy the cookies you don't have them in your in in your cupboard you will not eat them mm-hmm. that's that's how easy that is and habits also habits are a very very strong factor because things that you do habitually you do not need willpower for so you want to start building the things that you really want to do and somehow feel resistance to into your everyday life by starting small as we said and making it a habit all these people who say they don't have willpower do they go pick up their kids from school every day of course they do is that something fun to do not really when you have to drive through traffic and then wait for an hour and stressful and (laughs) but you do it because it's a habit you don't need any willpower for that brushing your teeth i don't think many people need willpower for that it's just something that you do every day so the things that where you feel that you have a lot of resistance and you don't want to do them and you need to sort of pull yourself together and, and, and to gather all your willpower to do them, you can sort of cut them down into tiny chunks and start practicing them as small habits until you know they become second nature and then you don't need willpower anymore. I think that's, yes, we can train our willpower and we want to do this and we can actually, scientists can actually see in the brain when it's activated this hub that we have but the smartest thing to go about this is actually to you know make sure that you don't need it in most situations sometimes yeah it's going to happen and yeah there's nothing you can do but the way you build your environment uh, and and if it is built in a way to support what you want to achieve support your goals support your values um then you know you don't have to rely on willpower and and that's so much easier Yes, the same thing goes with like alcohol. I remember you, I had to change my habits, my routines. <clears throat> I had to like mix things up because the lifestyle that I was living, I knew I no longer wanted to live that way anymore. So I had to change everything, <laughs> but it took it takes time. It doesn't happen overnight, but it takes time. And it's going to be like that whole analogy, like building a muscle. <laughs> it takes work, it takes time. Yes. <laughs> no pun intended since we're talking about muscle today. <laughs> But that's like in anything in life that you want to, um, whatever goal you have, you have to just build it and it's it's going to take time. And just as long as you have that consistency, you're going to get there. And that comes yes. with the resilience because I was just telling you how resilient you are and resilience is crucial in any in any fitness journey, I'd say, or any type of journey, whether it be a recovery journey as well. What advice uh, do you have for women who actually struggle to stay motivated? I get this question a lot. <laughs> Uh, I can imagine. Yeah, motivation is, is um, I think motivation is overrated because I see motivation, to me, it's like a mood. Because sometimes, you know, you get it's up in the morning, you're totally motivated. Yeah, oh. you're motivated. You want to do the things. And then the next day, you're not. So you don't really want to rely on a mood, on something that comes and goes, that is so super fickle. Um, you know, for, for you to build a healthy life or to, to build a happy life, you, you cannot rely on motivation. And I think um, the best advice that I can give when it comes to, I don't really feel like doing it. Um, you have to start doing something. So let's say you plan to take 10,000 steps every day. Like it's, you know, January is coming. I want to walk every day, 10,000 steps first day you're probably you know going out there getting it second day maybe a little bit harder and then the third day think i don't feel motivated mm-hmm. i don't want to take ten thousand steps so what can you do you could want to just go out there and you know tell yourself okay I'm, i can take a thousand i can i can just do a little bit you just start doing something don't stay in your head negotiating because you're always going to lose it's by doing small things doing things at all that you know you become sort of motivated to, to do some more um, it's also pretty famous i think the five minute rule you don't want to do your work workout you don't want to study you don't want to go for your walk just make a deal with yourself you're going to do it for five minutes and then see how you feel um, but 
that's also another way of sort of lowering the resistance, you know, removing the obstacles. It's not this big thing that you have to do. You just, you know, the, anybody can do five minutes. That's what you can tell yourself. And and then when you start, more often than not, I think you're just going to keep going because you're already in the groove and you think this is nice. And then some days you might think, oh, this really sucks today. So yeah, I'm not going to do it. But you will have done five minutes, which is always better than nothing. Because when you do nothing, kind of berate yourself and you know become very self-critical and negative, and then I can't do anything. Whereas when you have done five minutes, you can tell yourself, yeah, okay, today was maybe not my day, but I did a little bit. I did what I could, and that's another way of you know reinforcing your behavior in a positive way. And and I think really to and I think this is the big thing that happens every January because on January 1st or 2nd, you're so motivated. Sometimes um, this motivation is powered by a hangover, for example. And then you think, oh my God, I feel so horrible. I got to do something different and I'm going to change my life. And if you want to count on that to make change, you know, you're going to be disappointed. You want it to count on action. So don't Tell yourself, oh, I'm so motivated, I'm going to do everything right now. Tell yourself, okay, January 1st, I'm just going to go for a walk or I'm just going to go you know, train or to the gym or buy vegetables, whatever it is that you want to change. Um, don't count on motivation. It's the same as relying on your willpower when you're coming home after a long, stressful day at work and you think, no problem with chips and chocolate in the, in the kitchen. I'm going to rely on my willpower. When you come home from that really bad day, um, you know, it's all, it's going to leave you alone and you're going to stand there and just do what you didn't plan to do. So it's always easier to, to be prepared to, to work on your environment and then just take, take those little steps that will then get your motivation back up. Yes. Motivation is an energy. So I say, when you wake up and you have that extra energy, take advantage of that energy <laughs> and do whatever you want to do. But uh, give yourself grace when you don't have that energy and just take it easy. Maybe your body's telling you, hey, I want to relax. Let your body relax. You know, we were conditioned to just hustle and grind. You know what? Enough. We're, in, we're changing right now. We're transitioning. <laughs> we're learning about who we are and not having someone tell us what how we're supposed to think. Uh, what we're supposed to do, but starting to listen to our spirit and let them guide us. Let it guide us in a way where we're like, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and take it easy today and not beat myself up about it. <laughs> it's okay. Because yeah. I wake up too. Like, really and I have a, yeah, I wake up. I, I am in a bad mood. I don't know why. Do I know why? I don't know. But <laughs> so I'm just going to probably either breathe it out, breathe, you know, maybe take a walk outside and just kind of like change it up a little bit. But if sometimes if I wake up extra happy, well, everyone in the household's going to know because I will be so happy. I, will, <laughs> I feel so good. Everyone's going to be feeling good in the house. So you really just need to listen to your body and what you feel is best for you because everybody's body is different. And so, yeah, thank you for, for saying that baby steps are very important, like little by little. I love that. Uh, speaking of steps, what are some everyday action steps uh, you recommend for better overall health? This is beyond training and this is also beyond eating. Okay. Um, for me, that's uh, meditating. I don't do much, 10 minutes. Um, and it's also much easier than many people think. There's really great apps out there that you can use. And sometimes um, I think, oh, I don't have the time. What's that too much? And then when I stop for a week, it's okay. I stop for two weeks, three weeks. I can tell. I wake up differently. There's some something is out of balance. So I think mindfulness in general um, is, is something that is really extremely helpful. And it doesn't have to be any woo-woo thing or something. You can just watch your breath. You can just check in with your body during the day. That's mindfulness, all right. You don't have to sit, you know, cross-legged and, and go om or anything if you don't want that. Um, just in a very, very you know, overwhelming, stressful situation or any kind of situation where you feel, you know, you want to be more grounded or something, just check in with your body. You know, look at how are you breathing? You're probably sort of hyperventilating when you're very stressed out. And when you notice that, um, you, I don't know why, but that that's actually the science about this. 
when you notice and name your even your physical sensations that they feel they become less intense so just check in with your body once in a while to think about what am i doing am i i'm you know, I, i'm standing here right now so um that can ground you if you're not always flying away in your head i think breathing is also something that's extremely beneficial and sometimes you might have to start practicing um if you haven't breathe very deeply or consciously for a very long time you might find it difficult to actually find your breath in your body something that you want to practice um, and then what else i think laughter is something that you want to look for as much as you can it's i think it's really very it's great for health laughter is is um it's so relaxing you can so you can let go and you also connect with people in laughter so that's uh, something to look for and make use of as much as you can yes laughter is the common language amongst everybody here on earth <laughs> everyone loves laughter i mean it's it was, someone says oh it's the best medicine it is you know and even working your stomach muscles as well as well as when you're breathing deeply within your belly into your chest you're working those stomach muscles also. <laughs> so those are good two practices, like a uh, t uh, kill two birds in one stone. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> and um, yeah, so where can our listeners find you, follow you, work with you? Yes, they can find me on Facebook with my name, Kim Rahir, where I share what I'm up to, share a lot of tips and, and, and thoughts sometimes about things. And my website is kimrahir.com. And on there, if you want to, you can take a free assessment um, on where your health and your strength is. So it's a deep health assessment. I'm not only going to ask you, uh, can you knock out five push-ups? It's a, it's a complete holistic approach to health. And it's a very good place to start to really sort of be honest and tell yourself, ask yourself where how do I feel actually right now? And and what would be the best next step for me to take? Because that's different for everybody else. So that assessment you can find on my on my on my page. Just you know click on it and get a result right away. Um, and then that can help you move on and start getting better. That's awesome. And um finally what's a typical success story you've seen in your coaching and what can our listeners learn from it? Yes, so it's what's very typical, and I love that is that most women come to me for weight loss, and we actually achieve that. Um, but it's never, you know, through dieting or anything. But what they love most, and they sort of they go through this journey, and then after sometimes after a few weeks, sometimes after a few months, they realize that they're feeling so strong, and that it makes such a difference in their life that um, they carry themselves differently, more proudly, they stand taller. Um, or it could be just a simple thing. One of my clients is a singer and she has to carry her equipment around. And then one day she told me, oh my God, it was so easy. I could carry this so easily. And then they realized that this, this part of the process is the one that's most empowering and exhilarating so yes they drop pounds and kilos and 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 fit into their clothes again but through the journey they realize that the really great thing and the really great achievement and that they're proud of that and they feel good about that is actually being strong and that has the biggest effects on their on their daily lives um, even bigger than you know wearing your favorite clothes again which is fun and great but it's it's not as deep a joy as you know doing your first full push-up for example that is really very very powerful as an emotion yeah absolutely wow well thank you so much kim for joining me today is there any last thoughts or words you'd like to share well, that's just this one thing that helped me so much when I was in a bad place. And I think that's something that can help um, anyone who feels that, you know, they're not feeling right or that they're having it really hard at, at this point in time. And that is um, let go of the big picture. Uh, look just at what's in front of you right now and how you can make the next, even the next minutes or the next day or the next meal um, you know, 
just worth it a little bit better because that can take a lot of pressure out of your uh, of your way of being the big picture the long road the big ass goal can be very stressful actually and intimidating and and anxiety inducing and focusing on just the next small things the next meal or the next cup of coffee when you like coffee i don't know um i think that can be very uh, you know like relief from from the pressure that the big picture sometimes puts on absolutely yes i agree well, thank you again, Kim. It's been an honor and a pleasure and can't wait to put this up so everyone can not stress out so much about the new year resolution, but just to take small steps and into their health. And yeah, thank you. Thank you. To my cherished listeners from the very depths of my heart, thank you. Every single one of you who've showered me with those warm five-star reviews, your kindness shines so brightly. And if you haven't yet, know that your voice and support always matter. Your unwavering love has lifted us onto Feedspot's esteemed list of best women's sobriety podcasts. And it truly warms my heart. With immense love and care, I've created something for you as well. Introducing the Overcoming Challenges mini course, crafted especially with the intention to guide and support you through life's varied phases, because we all deserve gentle guidance as we navigate life's tides. Furthermore, I have two heartfelt gifts for our listener family. One is a seven-day challenge, a tender beginning for those curious about sobriety, and the other, a personal sharing from my journey, six-step blueprint to an alcohol-free life. This encapsulates the loving steps I took, I embraced beyond AA and the traditional 12 steps that have nurtured my own sobriety journey. To embrace these tokens of gratitude and love, simply text GIFT, that's G-I-F-T, to one 649 6196 Again, that's G-I-F-T at one 649 6196 With all my love and deepest gratitude, I cherish each and every one of you.